Hi, it's Alex here. I'm convinced that there are now incredible opportunities for producers looking to bring stories to the screen. There are now more formats, platforms, distribution, and financing strategies than ever before. That's why I am launching the Future of Film Entrepreneurial Storyteller Program. It's a 12-month virtual program designed for producers looking to build future-proofed businesses and careers. Discover how the Future of Film Entrepreneurial Storyteller Program can take your projects and career to the next level and register your interest today at futureoffilm.live slash ESP. That's futureoffilm.live slash ESP. Coming up in today's show. When we did the analysis, the smaller ones have such a bigger return on investment. With smaller ones, I mean movies that have a much smaller budget in the, in the range of one to five million. The stories are so great and the AI actually almost favors the smaller projects over the bigger ones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season three of Film Disruptors. My name is Alex Stoltz, and as regular listeners will know, this is the show where I share insights and strategies from the trailblazers who are shaping the future of film. And today's episode is a very special one, partly because it was recorded live at the 2020 Berlinale, and partly because we have not one, but three trailblazers who are participating in today's conversation. We have three entrepreneurs and founders who are each leading new technology businesses that are looking to transform or maybe disrupt different aspects of the film industry. So we have Nadira Azamai, who is CEO and founder of the Antwerp-based Scriptbook. And now Scriptbook uses machine learning to provide storytellers and studios artificially intelligent script analysis and automated story generation. Maria Tanjala is co-CEO and co-founder of FilmChain, the London and New York-based startup that provides a new solution to collection services in film and creative media. Uh, FilmChain allocates and analyzes revenues in film, TV, and digital in a transparent and efficient way using blockchain technology. And last but not least, we have Catherine Downs, who is CMO, COO, and co-founder of UsherU. Based out of Dublin, London, and now LA, UsherU is a data analytics company that provides producers and studios more control over their audience and distribution strategies. And just for full disclosure here, I am also, in my other life, a colleague of Catherine's at UsherU. So in this conversation, we cover the whole film value chain, which is particularly exciting from development to distribution. And we discover how each of the founders are using new technology like AI and blockchain to create new efficiencies and opportunities for storytellers and businesses in film and media. I learned so much talking to Nadira, Maria, and Catherine, and I hope 
you find it as interesting and constructive as I did. And as finally, this episode was, as I mentioned before, produced during the 21st edition of the Film Tech Meetup in Berlin in collaboration with some very important partners. The Film Tech Office, which is a Berlin-based co-working space for creators and entrepreneurs in film, storytelling and tech, and EFM Horizon, the European film market's platform focusing on the future of film businesses and new developments in the media and entertainment world. If you are enjoying the show or just want to find out more, there are a few ways to stay up to date. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify or indeed any of the major podcast platforms. You can also sign up for updates at the new home of Film Disruptors, which is futureoffilm.live. That's futureoffilm.live. Just enter your email to stay up to date with all of the latest Future of Film news and podcast episodes straight to your inbox. This is where you can also access all three seasons of the show, find out more about the individual guests and get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. So that just leaves me to say thank you for listening. And now please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation about the future of the film business with Nadira Azamai, Maria Tanjala, and Catherine Downs. And I started the show by asking Nadira about Scriptbook and a problem she is looking to solve with her technology startup. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Nadira, as uh, my colleague here. I'll call him my colleague tonight. Yeah, <laughs> Alex I'm, I love it. <laughs> um, And uh, I'm the founder of Scriptbook. Scriptbook was founded in 2015. Um, actually, uh, why? That's the first question. I was uh, at the time probably, you know, uh, insane and very naive when I started the company. But the reason why I believed that Scriptbook was something that should see the day. The light of day um, is uh, because uh, there was a lot of research out there saying um, that um, uh, the majority of films lose money at the box office. The numbers were astonishing. Um, they were uh, around 87%. It's a very anomalous industry. Just a handful is making profit. So, um, and in that stage, I was just wondering, wait, is there some sort of decision support? Is there some sort of technology that would actually help this business? And the answer was no. Uh, apparently, the film industry um, was uh, actually likes to work um, um, as as human as possible in the sense that they love to to use their their own expertise and experience and everything that they've learned and, uh, and, and their feelings as well is, is uh, definitely part of the decision, the decision process. But the thing is, it's a very biased 
decision process as well because when you deal with with subjectivity you deal with emotions and you know and and when you try to assess something as objectively as as possible um, I mean we're not robots uh, you know bias is part of the decision making um, and uh, we thought okay how should we start because um, as uh, Alex is saying it's all about the story and we did our own research and it's true that the script the story has the highest predictive value people not cast not don't get anything in your head about other elements like social media it really is about the script if you have a good script and you execute it perfectly it will do well if you have a crappy script and you get the top of the bill, you know, the A-listers on that, it will maybe become mediocre. So it really is about the story. And so we developed a decision support system, an AI that's capable of, of um, reading your script, reading the story from page one till the final page. It processes everything and it will deliver a number of outputs. The outputs are very diverse. It's not just numbers. It really is output that um, relates to uh, your own story, the script DNA. Um, it relates to uh, what sort of demographics are you um, uh, targeting. It really um, gives you a number of financial outputs as well, box office, not just US, but mainly um, box office results throughout the world, every territory. Will it be bought by distributors? Um, you know, what, what is the, the, the audience reception? So there's a lot of information that comes out of the script and people continue and say, you only need the script? Yes, we only need the script. Of course, we know that 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 companies or, or filmmakers will be, you know, need to add other parameters as well. You know, along the the decision chain, you'll probably try to get a a, a film package in place. So yeah, uh, if you have that, great, because more data means more accuracy. But we really wanted to um, uh, give the industry some sort of a. Um, you know, we when we read the story, when we re when we read the script, we understand the story in a completely different way than when an AI reads the script. So in that way, it, it's a perfect complementary tool because. I don't like the rhetoric when you hear about AI and, 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 and you see what, what's being written out there. It's always, oh, the robots are taking over. This is a creative industry. You know, whenever we try to have a conversation with, with, uh, with the industry or just filmmakers uh, online, it, it's, 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 they're, they're taking the momentum away in the sense that you have a whole group that's interested in learning about technology and, and using it to their own benefit. And then you have a very small group, you know, that's very negative, but unfortunately very vocal. And they're taking the opportunity away. Um, because we're offering the services in the beginning. When we started, we thought, okay, this, this is a service that we're offering to companies. It really is a B2B product. But then, uh, after doing many keynotes and, 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 uh, and panel talks, people, with people I mean filmmakers, independent, the smaller ones, you know, the, the one person that has a big dream, they all come up to us and they said, hey, can we use your AI? We, we need to use your AI. And at, at that point, I was like, okay, but it's only for businesses. It's not really for, for, for you guys. And we changed it. All of a sudden, last year, we just had a team meeting. We said, okay, I think we should change our, miss, our mission. Mm -hmm. It's about democratizing the, the, the space of storytelling because it's very much one versus the 99%. You know, 99% is struggling to get a foot in the door and 1% is just doing great. And when you see research, I mean, there was an article saying that an independent producer or filmmaker 
a writer has a 0.003% chance of ever having his project picked up. I mean, the odds are not in your favor. And, and, and when you hear the industry, these, these independents, you hear them talk and you say, what's your biggest issue? And they all say, well, we just need validation. Validation is so important because you run around with that story and you've put your heart and soul in it and you want somebody to believe in it. You want somebody to give you a chance. It's about validation. But what's, what for me personally I think is going wrong is the fact that you need to accept also a different sort of validation because if you're looking for human validation, it's still one person, even if you get on some sort of a site to get an assessment uh, by, by a human, it's still one person or two or three or four, and you're paying each time to get an assessment, and it's still just the opinion of three, four, five, six people. An AI gives you an assessment that's based on historical data of thousands thousands of scripts, you know, it, it, it kind of does the, the whole millions of data points. So, so you could actually say that your script was analyzed by a bunch of people and not just those three or four or five. So the road to, to, to validation, to AI validation is a very quickly one. And all of a sudden, you know what kind of value you have. It's objective. You know that you have a good script or you have information tells you your script at this point is not that great or your project is not that great. So put the next step into making it a better project. So it's, it's, that's actually the, the vision and the mission that we have uh, as a company. We really want to uh, break down the walls and democratize the space. I personally have had enough of, of, of always having the bigger, you know, the, the, the bigger companies taking everything and then the, the struggling people keep struggling and needs to change. And I think with our AI, we're able to do that. And, and then it's, about, it's also about acceptance. Um, we can do it alone. I'm fighting this battle with our data scientists, but we really need the other side, which is the 99% of struggling filmmakers and producers and all of that. We need them to join this battle because it's going to stay the same. You know, Hollywood hasn't changed for 100 years. Why do you think it would change in the next five years? It won't unless you take the control back. So that was in a nutshell. Mm. <laughs> nutshell. <laughs> I love it. So, you, so you're, your mission is to empower storytellers and, and writers. So, you, so, they, so the technology gives them the understanding of how, how they can improve their improve their work and not just make is it about making it sort of more commercial or both or quality wise I, it's about validation uh, you, you have a project and you need to know um, what is the potential of this project that I'm uh, you know that I, that I want to pursue it shows you what the potential is for example uh, I'll, I'll give you a few examples um, we opened up our AI to every independent. So it's not just B2B, it's now B2C. And, and it's all on our website. And you can see we, we changed the pricing for the independents to a tenth what the companies are paying because we know uh, of the struggles of the independents. Uh, and, and for example, what we had, it was, it was widely successful. Um, we, we get many scripts for, from a lawyer or, or someone who runs a bakery and they all write or they all want to pursue a career in film, and they send us their script. We analyze it, and we give them back the results. And for example, what we've noticed, you know, I, I have to be honest, if we analyze 100 scripts a month for independence, probably, just uh, being fair, probably 90% will be crap. Uh, it's, it's just not a good analysis. And then you have, um, you know, probably th three or four scripts 
that are just pearls, hidden pearls. And, and when we gave the analysis back to, for example, um, uh, this guy that actually is a top lawyer in New York, and he said, oh my God, I'm surprised because he's been working on the script on the side for about eight years, and the analysis was amazing. And he said, can you help me get this project somewhere? All of a sudden, we're now as a tech company in this position where you analyze scripts, and a, a bunch of them are not great, and then you have a handful that just have amazing analysis, and we at as data scientists think about it and, and, and go like, okay, we need to do something with this, with this material. So we contact the screenwriters again and we tell them, listen, are you open, for, for the, uh, are you open to this if we just uh, pass your script on and the analysis on to you, for example, the studios that we work with or the distributor or a film fund that we work with? And they're very happy because all of a sudden you're doing something that, that, that they've been trying to get to for years and, and this is something that we actually did for a few screenwriters. Their scripts today are being, uh, are being actually considered by very big parties. So you're becoming a marketplace almost. Almost, mm -hmm. yes, without intention. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Can I ask a question actually? So in, there is the case of a super positive outcome and people are looking for validation. What happens in the 99 other cases? <laughs> Well, um, it's uh, I, I know you, they're attached to their, to their material, yeah, yeah, and, and we give them the, the, the analysis, and sometimes it's not what they want to see. But don't you want an AI that's so honest with you instead of you know having the typical yeah. words of "Oh, great, I'll I'll get in touch. Oh, yeah. great." Well, you know, <laughs> so that's the answer exactly because yeah. that's what what most people hear. Uh, they they spend so much money and they travel back and forth, and and they have then some companies say, "Oh, yeah, we'll love it. We'll get in touch," and in touch means within the next decade, maybe. <laughs> so at least. I want the brutal approach in the sense, if it's crap, I rather want to hear it today. So I won't be spending any time on, 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 on continuing working on crap. I'd rather start a new project or I will take a, a complete U-turn and change the story's perspective. So you, you want to move forward as fast as possible. And I think even yeah. with a bad advice, well, bad. A bad outcome. Yeah, bad, even with yeah. a bad outcome, it is an answer. It's better than trying, you know. Uh, trying in vain and, exactly. you know, plugging away at the same thing. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Very good. I, I have one, one question before we, we, we move on. What, what do you see uh, the most common thing that the AI picks up with people? What, what's the most common flaw in our project? Um, well, I know for a fact that a lot of people, this is a concern that comes uh, up every time. They think technology, AI, will only uh, give a green light to uh, the highly commercial uh, movies, you know, formulaic projects. But it's one of the biggest misconceptions because we did this, we did a, a very big proof of concept with one of the studios and they gave us, um, you know, uh, a pile of scripts, uh, a combination of, you know, the typical IP movies and, and uh, the smaller ones. And, and we, when we did the analysis, the smaller ones have such a bigger return on investment. With smaller ones, I mean movies that have a much smaller budget in the, in the range of one to five million. The stories are so great and the AI actually almost favors the smaller projects over the bigger ones. And it's so hard to explain that to people because they're, it's just a mindset. They think, you know, it will only get the 
I don't know, the, the, the Fast and Furious 20, mm. <laughs> only that one will get a green light. It's the biggest misconception because when you see the analysis for um, smaller films, people are always so surprised. They go like, the AI picked that? And it is the case. The AI knows a good story because our, our algorithms were trained on storylines, on act structure, on emotional analysis. It's not, you know, throw an algorithm on a data set and let's see what comes out of it. Oh, the, if, the, if the hero wear, wear, wears a, a blue shirt, <laughs> it will have high box office. No, it's not voodoo science. I know com <laughs> there are a lot of companies doing this. I call this voodoo science because it's crap. And, and, and no, we spent three years Three years just doing hardcore research and development, labeling data. Uh, it took so much effort uh, to, to, to build this uh, because we cared about uh, how stories are structured. Everything that's out there, you know, about story structure, every book was being read. We actively thought about, okay, what kind of features are important to, to content creators and that actually... Uh, have a high weight uh, when it comes to parameters in, in, in predicting performance. So it's not, uh, and I, I know the conception is uh, that a lot of companies ju just do run the algorithm and just do data. No, we took our time to develop something that is of high quality. And, and that's why the AI is capable of, of, of analyzing script and saying, listen, tiny budget, we predict only 2 million budget, but the return on investment on this one, like a get out, for example, 5 million budget, our AI predicted uh, a return on, on investment of 1,000%. And many, many cases, we have so many uh, movies in our data set that we analyze for, for companies that are tiny, and they were, you know, as, as we would say, outliers. But for us, it's not outliers. The AI is just so good in, in, in recognizing qualitative material. I have a question on that. Do you think that that can change the studio's view on what is going to be a commercial success for them? Are, are you already seeing signs? Well, um, we, we have three studios uh, actively using our, our AI today. And, um, and, and I came back two weeks ago from, uh, from LA from a big meeting. And this is what we hear from studios. They will never change. So I've given up on, on trying to change them. So they will never change. They, um, they want an AI that is never wrong when predicting uh, uh, the, the, the hidden successes. So they, they, they would punish us if we would give a, a red light to a movie that did unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. good. Yeah. But they think it's okay if we uh, give a green light to movies that were uh, such a big failure. So if we say... Uh, for example, Transformers Thousands will do a billion at the box <laughs> office and it ends up doing, you know, 10 million. Yeah. It's not a punishment. It's okay. But if, if we uh, tell them not to make it and God forbid it makes a, a billion, they would just, you know, stop working with us. They so, don't so, want to be held back yeah. in the franchises, but yes. they'll take a hit. Yes. Gem. And they actively, they want to be remembered uh, by the big movies. Yeah. They, they, even though they had a few small uh, movies made in, in 2019 that did tremendously well, it's not the icing on the cake. This is something that they told us personally. So for studios, it will always be about the big projects. Mm. And regarding the AI, um, did you find a way to see how the AI got to that decision? Because from the point of view of technology, as, as far as I kind of understand from, it's, it cannot really justify the decisions it made. Um, mm -hmm. How are you finding the process in, in mm -hmm. understanding 
how yeah. it got to that result. Uh, it's, what, we, what you're saying is true because a lot of times the AI just thinks because it thinks that, uh, you know, it's the black box approach. Uh, they, they tell you this is something great and, and you go like, why? Well, because it is. And there's a, there's no answer, mm-hmm. uh, but in our case, for example, um, because we we uh, featured engineers, so basically we we uh, created the, our own features. So we're able to see what kind of features rank very high, for example, in predicting uh, commercial performance. And I can, and I'm giving away my secret sauce, <laughs> but the truth is that the emotional analysis of your um, of your characters is so important. Uh, if, if 450 parameters go into a predictive model. That's a lot, you know. Um, uh, but I can tell you, in the top 10, they have they outweigh the rest, the 300 or 400 something. So the top 10 is really about the emotional analysis. Your act structure is very important as well. It's something that we, um, you know, never thought that that would be ranked up there. The act structure, but again, it's very important. Mm. These two features rank extremely high in, in uh, predicting um, uh, commercial performance. There you go. So it's 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 and other things like you said. It's like oh god, I have no idea why the AI is saying this. <laughs> just just ask, ask him. Is he spoke? I don't know. I mean. <laughs> That's fascinating. Um, so let, we, 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 let's, let's move on because we, I'm sure we're going to circle back to some of these things. So um, Maria, we're now we, we've now got our script. It's 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 brilliant. It's uh, it, it's validated, uh, and we want to we want to get financed. Uh, t- tell me about Film Chain. What, what what was the origin of Film Chain, and why why? Uh, and then yeah, tell me about how it works, and the blockchain, and everything. <laughs> so definitely my background it was uh, was a as a former producer and line producer so I come from storytelling filmmaking background um, and I I uh, had an amazing uh, encounter again with my with my co-founder Irina who comes from much more of a mathematical and tech background and uh, governance and economics so we joined forces because as you said, um, I, as a producer, we were having these these amazing productions, and we were believing in the script with or without an approval at that point. And it was it, it really felt like the moment that producers were ending their productions, which was generally a long struggle. And and we we know the reports in the UK they're quite disastrous about you know, the years that it's taking and producers being paid around £10,000 per year. Um, so those were some reports that came out uh, two weeks ago and that just put everyone into like a very dark depression. <laughs> um, the, the, the hard realization of how much producers are, are actually paid for the very long work they do. And after they shoot the filming, it just felt like they are giving away their their baby and it's all very passive so you just sit and wait it's just a sit and wait game and it takes years to see any money and then it takes even more years to get any data around it so we before film chain were as we were doing big couch we were working on like co-financing these eight films through another kind of tech um, tech solution. And 
And we were like, wow, this is three years later. There's like zero information and money coming back. So how did we get to this, to this bottleneck? And uh, the, the, the realization was how there's no infrastructure. So there's no infrastructure for money and information to flow. And it's this beautiful name of, of a waterfall, the recoupment schedule, um, but it's, uh, it's actually one of the most terrifying concepts <laughs> that a producer can think of because it's this uh, negotiation between all of the stakeholders. Sometimes you can get like 100 people, investors, producers, co-producers, actors, crew, everyone who gave their blood, sweat and tears to make this. And they expect a share of the cake if the cake is like really tasty and everyone wants a piece of the cake. So um, for us, it was absolutely kind of shocking how the entire back end of the industry was so old school was manual, spreadsheets, Excel spreadsheets, human errors, everyone just doing the work uh, in between other productions with other jobs. You know, they had to sell films, they had to produce other films, they had to distribute films. So doing reports and, and money was always just taking ages. And we were also talking to producers and we were just kind of putting in kind of the, 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 the mind frame. So we were saying, do you feel that you're the owner of this project? And the answer was coming back as, as no. So it really felt like they were stripped off their power because they felt that now it's just a matter of marketing, sales, distribution, exploitation, and they, they, did, they no longer had a voice in how how the, the, the film performs. And um, I'm, I'm, I would love to hear more of, of your story afterwards to complete that. Um, so we basically built the infrastructure for money and information to flow. We thought it's now it's the right time because finally the industry is exposed to these huge shifts where you have streamers, technical platforms, you log on to dashboards. So it's not pen and paper anymore or PDFs, at least as a, as a, a daily practice. So we have moved everything from the recoupment schedule, reconciliation of, of 50 contracts with co-producers, financiers, and sales agents, and just move everything on dashboards and, and, and clearly, transparently, speak to every single stakeholder what is the money owed to them and when money comes in what is the performance of their film so essentially we are uh, the, the the 2020 version of a collection service but where uh, how how people described us as investors described us um, well what the filmmakers and investors have the you know have the finger on the pulse they go weekly and they check out, they get notifications, 100,000 came in, this is how the money was split, are you okay with this, do you want to challenge this, is this the right territory, is that what you expected, great, no objection, then here's your money, withdraw, in two hours you have it in your bank account. 
And what was fascinating to us when we started doing that more and more, because we have all these productions now that started uh, recouping revenues, is that um, this is my kind of favorite uh, <laughs> case study. Um, uh, some a larger amount came in, and uh, an investor had withdrawn on a Monday. Oh, I don't know, it was like whatever, thousands of, of euros. And then on a Wednesday, they had a small festival fee. <laughs> so they had 35 euros <laughs> in, in their wallet. And they still clicked withdraw. <laughs> they, they wanted that 35. They didn't want to wait till like Friday because Friday will be a new, new incoming gross receipts. So that's when we, we realized like, wow, that's, that's actually sticky. Like people just go on like on a mobile banking app that they want to see their balance. And if there's money there for them, they, they want to have it and they want to spend it. They want to just go out for dinner because they just made another 35 euros, you know? So, so information and money should circulate. And we should no longer have this, this, you know, years of waiting. And it is a paradigm shift because when, when it's a passive approach, when you just sit and wait and you just send these like first polite emails like, hi, just wondering, how is it going? You know, did we sell anywhere? And, and then, you know, you just get more passive aggressive and then it gets to like <laughs> breaking all friendships that ever were um, like at some point. And, and, and then as we were talking to stakeholders, everyone was just like, it's not me. I haven't done anything. It's just like not working. I, I, I you know, there was just no money in it. So, we, we, we were definitely, we saw how we were, we're fixing the trust because when you have transparency, you're able to build trust and everyone knows like, this is what came in. These were the deals that were made. This is how much we sold. And, um, and this is it. At the same time, if things are going well or they're going moderately well, you can go as a producer to your next financier and say, well, in 12 months, we were able for the financier in top tier, the first recoupment, to recoup 70%. These are actual statistics that you can go to your next financier and finance your next film. Okay, it didn't recoup fully, but it did this much. And people have like the, 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 the sense that, oh, I'm talking to a business person, I'm talking to someone who wants a return on investment, I'm talking with someone who, who wants to you know, to have eyeballs on on that that production, want to make the most out of that film, and uh, that was was hugely empowering. So accessing money and data, uh, we feel that th these are the weapons you need in order to to survive in this industry and to to create this this level of trust between the stakeholders. That's fascinating. And at what what point do would people uh, decide to use your service? So we come in around when the production, ideally, when the production is 70% financed because you want a green light on it, you want a, a date of production, but also that's the moment when we still deal with all the legal contracts, so we look at everything and we start creating the recoupment schedule because you want to avoid future legal disputes. And what happens is we open the bank account like a normal um, kind of third-party company that is dealing with, 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 with funds, with a unique bank account. And um, that's the moment when, when blockchain comes into play because we encode the set of instruction in the collection account management agreement 
uh, onto the smart contracts that will automatically execute the set of instructions. So we don't use any cryptocurrency at all. It's all fiat currency, Euro, GBP, Australian dollars, Canadian um, dollars, because uh, we have now uh, several territories around the world. And um, that's also what the, the beauty of blockchain is because it has this immutable aspect. So every time you create this recoupment schedule and this set of instruction, you can't delete it or you can't just tweak it. <laughs> you know, just like, oh, there's an ideal that no one has to find out about. No, there's no such thing anymore. So the signatory parties will always get this information with a lot of clarity and that they will know that this is, this is working in everyone's favor. And we like to say, because oh, we heard it many times in the industry, like companies saying, oh, trust me, we've been like doing this for like 25 years. And that's like a big alarm bell for me. When I hear that, I was like, ooh, <laughs> I'll think about that. Um, and we say, don't trust me. Like, who am I to trust? Just go and verify it yourself. And, and when that happens, it, it feels again that you, you give back the power to the people. And I'm sure that we're all kind of fully aligned here in missions yeah. because we also feel exactly about democratizing yeah, uh, budgets and, and producers. So we take, we have no thresholds. People can withdraw anything and can make content of any budget and everyone should access a transparent and automated way of, of recouping yeah. money. It just, it just sounds like it brings a lot of fairness and transparency to a, a process that potentially there's always the same people losing out. Which is, or, you know, not getting paid or getting delayed or the last person to be paid. And exactly. I think it sounds great. And all of these kind of companies are, are kind of, are meant to do something else, not accountancy in Excel spreadsheet. It yeah. just feels like the entire financial system is actually on, on the shoulders of Excel spreadsheets. And it, it just, it's just like, it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky to have Imperial College and University of Toronto to be our academic partners. So um, us too, we spent a lot of time going like, oh my God, is this the right thing to do? Jesus, we're dealing with like millions. Um, so, so we had to just really verify everything, like triple verify it. And uh, what is really exciting is to see that people want that, funds want that, producers want that. So the industry is changing for a more kind of a fairer and a more transparent way to, uh, to deal with things. Great. Is, is that the same or does it involve smart contracts? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. So there, there, there is a tokenized internal system that no one in the room needs to know about because um, you will not interact with it. But essentially, every um, proportion of ownership is recorded on the blockchain. So if you're, a, um, I don't know, if you're a makeup artist who says 0.05% of the net profits, you have that digital assets in the, the basically in the infrastructure that records your ownership. But fundamentally, you're using technology to solve solve a problem. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and does, does the industry think so? I mean, how uh, how how's it going? You know, what's um, there's obviously, like we said, the, the people who often lose out said, yes, it's, you know, I want this, but I imagine there's some people who are are more cautious or worried even? <laughs> For us, it was actually surprising that uh, all of the members of the value chain just came to us and in the conversations, first of all, they took the, 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 the first meeting and I was like, okay, that's, that's, I think that's encouraging. Mm -hmm. And then second of all, 
we ask them, how can we help you? Like, what hurdles do you have? What can we solve for you uh, with this infrastructure, obviously? So with the product that we have. And, um, and they, they, they all share the same problem. They all have manual processes, reconciliation of legal contracts, cross-team collaboration. And everyone in 2020 knows that if you want to survive as a company, you need to move from old dated system onto an automatic and digital uh, system. So th if it's blockchain or not blockchain, they, they have this concept of like, okay, I, I think I heard on a panel about the digital transformation, so I have to kind of do something about it. Um, and we have seen all of the people in the value chain, distributors, everyone, um, the aggregators, sales agents. So uh, it was ex surprisingly encouraging to see the openness to technology. What is the future of film? Discover the trends, strategies, and technologies that are shaping film's future in the Future of Film 2020 report. Download your copy today for free at futureoffilm.live. That's the Future of Film 2020 report, available now at futureoffilm.live. You're listening to Film Disruptors. I'm in conversation with entrepreneurs and founders Nadira Azamai, Maria Tanjala, and Catherine Downs. And if you are enjoying the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And I start this section by asking Catherine about Usheru and the problem or the opportunity that the company is looking to solve in the film space. So Oshiz very much looks at the, the distribution and the marketing of films, really about the promotion of films. Um, and the big issue we're trying to solve with data and, and software, um, and then the actual purchase of a ticket, which is essentially the final step in that e-commerce journey, takes place at a totally different place, at the cinema or at the theatre. So what we're trying to do, or what we're doing at Oshiz, is bringing together... That, uh, that journey that a customer takes to find a movie digitally, uh, to find that showtime of that film, and then to actually making their purchase. So from, a, I guess, a platform technical point of view, it's pretty straightforward e-commerce solution and something that exists in many other industries um, and bringing that technology and applying it to the cinema industry. What that's, the challenges of that industry, as many people know, is probably possibly that relationship between film distributors and cinemas and exhibitors, you know, bringing that together. So I guess a lot of the hard work and you both described probably years of building a technology and building validation and building um, building all the relationships required to, to bring those pieces together is what goes into that. And then I, I think we're in a good point now of working with some, with, with some film distributors um, of varying shapes and sizes um, to solve that problem for them. What it really does is brings analytical visibility on how they're spending their marketing money and whether you're a very small filmmaker who really wants to get a lot of bang for your £10,000 that you have or 10,000 euros you have to spend or you're spending 10 million 
it's really to show people, well, money you're spending is being wasted or being really useful. Here's how to act to activate your marketing campaigns to do something in real time. Um, so we're working with film distributors, we're working with national film bodies as well, and trying to giving them a way to showcase their films or bringing all that data intelligence behind it as well. And we're doing it across, actually, it's interesting when we're talking, you know, you can say, why did you find your company and what's your solution? But we're now five years like established and I feel like the company's solution has ebbed and flowed in that time because consumer consumer behaviors changed so much compared to five years ago. I remember when we started the company going and speaking to film exhibitors and they were like, oh no, only a few percent of my tickets are bought online. And we we're going, no, but like soon there'll be a lot. <laughs> and actually soon is here, you know, and, and that's happened that has happened very quickly. There are still groups, you know, that love to walk up, but it's such a big concern now for exhibitors to be more savvy. And distributors, when we started, were spending small amounts of their budgets online, and now they're spending huge amounts of budget online. Uh, a lot of big studios bringing digital people from other advertising tech companies in-house to have become... But I feel like we started the company kind of like seeing that but now it's happened and now it's really everyone's getting much more advanced in consumer tech because our phones were just and you know we never thought we would watch any film on our phone we also never thought we would trust to put our you know our credit card details at some point in time and they're just now it's like are going up and beeping apple wallet against a console and we're you know so just consumer behaviors changed so dramatically in that time mm. so um yeah, look, the seed of the company, Alex was uh, actually has been in the company since we began, was very much, uh, we won a competition with the British Film Institute to look at how we can bring more analytical intelligence to audience. So what we're really trying to do with that, and that has ebbed and flowed and changed in shape over the, that period, is get, and it is at all stages of the film cycle, is get people who are making films, whether you're a filmmaker, a producer, or a distributor get you thinking about the audience at all those stages of that cycle. Because at the end, you know, I guess most people, you can create to create, you can create over stages, you want to become a professional in your creation, then it needs to become your livelihood. So eventually everybody does want to connect with an audience and make money from their film. So um, what we're trying to get everyone to think about philosophically is think about your audience as soon as you can in that film life cycle because it will matter to you eventually more than you think. And so the more you know on that journey, because every film takes years to make, the more you know on that journey, the more important you realize it is. And you don't want to realize that too late, mm. <laughs> I think. Mm. Did you want to did you yeah. jump in? <laughs> uh, can, are, you, are you trying to convince um, also kind of producers, production companies in, in their projects to involve you as early as possible in yeah, their journey? We are, are yeah. You, are you hooking them and we, with... Um, yeah, we like, are. And that's, that's, that's probably really only the past year that we're doing that. Mm -hmm. um, because, and I've, been, I've, been look, I've been at panels and heard producers talk about how they need to think about their audience. But the reason is because, like you talk about, the importance of the script and the making of the film is what engages an audience. And it's loads, there's loads of nuggets of information about a film being produced at that point in time, which by the time it gets distributed are, you know, just packed in with lots of other 
creatives and trailers and everything. But, you know, the producers can be building the audience. And also a lot of independent filmmakers can build... Uh, you know, a lot of independent filmmakers who aren't necessarily being distributed by the same person every time or the marketing's been looked after by someone else can carry people on their journey with them too. So if you're an independent filmmaker who makes documentaries about, you know, war-torn zones, people are probably, who loved your first film, are likely to like another film that you 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 bring bring to market. So, you know, you'd love to be able to recontact all those people again. And what we're trying to give producers and filmmakers and directors who are maybe more nascent in careers is like give them a way to not have to go back to a, a cold pool of people the next time, but would actually be able to cultivate a relationship. They'd be able to contact those people digitally um, to tell them, oh, I brought in another film. You know, there's 2,000 people that saw that last film. I got those guys again. And then go get, build your audience from there. So yeah, we are, we are, we're, we're convincing them slowly but surely. <laughs> to, yeah, to, to, to create validation. Right. Again. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're creating validation about the project and about your your business. Yeah. Um, by by having a direct relationship with the consumer. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think. I, look, I think it's important because everyone's consuming content at such a quick rate now, and and now it's widely acknowledged people who are consuming a lot of content on streaming are also going to the cinema often. There's lots of like overlap. Um, and the cycles of everything that's happening, we're consuming so much so quickly. So our decision-making processes are shorter, more snappy. Uh, yeah, it's too fast-paced for all of us, but... <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's, it's, it's how to, you know, it's obviously how to capture the consumer, but it's also how to, you know, how, how a lot of that data goes into sort of black holes, doesn't it? So we don't know necessarily as a filmmaker you don't know you don't know what's happening to your film uh you might you'll, you'll know that netflix bought it for example yeah. but you won't necessarily you might get some reporting but you won't necessarily know you know what's happening within within that uh within that space um and so and that's something which would also with with the cinema side is obviously you know the box office but you don't know as a distributor how much of your marketing actually can Brought that together. Brought that convert, yeah, was it publicity? Was it marketing? Yeah. Was it my online campaign? Was it yeah. posters? And so trying to to link those yeah. dif discrete data sets together, I think, is the... Exactly. Um, I, I worked at Google in my former life, so I'm not like a full lifer at all in the film industry, getting there slowly but surely. But um, I do remember when just the early years when I was in Google, uh, around 2008, and the recession happened and then... Uh, you know, as they say, in in recessions, marketing is the first to go. So, um, and I do think Google really capitalized really well in that moment because what they did was tell people, okay, you know, you've got to cut your budget to 20% of what it was originally, but if you put it online, you can see what happens. And really that, they really did well. I remember they even had a slogan at the time called Speed Up in a Slowdown. That was very good marketing. But it really was the nascent period of like a lot of marketing organiz organizations that were marketing products started to go and test it online because they thought, okay, at least I know what's happening to it. And right now is the case, you know, for a lot of filmmakers is they just don't know what's happening. 
after all that effort that they put in. So, it's, yeah, so, it's, so we've got a similar theme here of taking control. and Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so taking the power back, making it transparent and fair and open. And, and I think from what I'm hearing about, like we all are, are building tools and software that are equally accessible to large and small producers or directors or filmmakers or scriptwriters at every level. And, and maybe that's a little bit of what tech can do because I think most people that are real technologists, and that would be my, one of my co-founders, uh, Andres, they really love to build things and they want to make them really universally available because it's, a, it's the creation of it that is beautiful. And I'm sure that's your data scientists and whoever's building that in your companies. It's, uh, it's to build it just to build and it's built to create and to make it available. And I think we all seem to have that similar strain about like there's levels, there's ev all different levels of our products that can be available to everybody. Do you get, uh, and this is a loaded question because I know, I know the answer, do you, do you sometimes get pushback from producers saying, uh, you know, dealing with the audience is not my, it's not my part, it's not my role. It's not my bag. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not my role because, you know, I, that's what the distributor's job is. Yeah, um, yeah, we do get that pushback, but I think... Ultimately, if anyone wants their film to be successful, you're so invested in every stage of that that you can't just leave that job to someone else. At the very minimum, if you're a producer, you should be pulling whoever will distribute your, your into a conversation about how, how we plan to do this. Everything will change on the way, definitely. But if, if the producers aren't having like early stage conversations about how we're going to get to that audience. What can I, as a producer, have access to to help you ultimately market this and get this, get this an audience, get it connected to the human race out there that I really want to come and see it? Um, then, you know, nothing... You're, it won't do well because the collaboration, even at that level, isn't there. Mm. Well, it, 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 it may do well, but uh, it can do better, mm. I think. Well, um, we've, got, we've got so much, <laughs> so much to, to cover and, and so many, you know, obviously overlapping themes and, uh, and, and commonalities um, and, yeah, presenting different technologies and, and different approaches to, to the film industry. Is there, um, obviously tech, I mean, we, we, we have a number of people here tonight who, who work in tech and there's a you know, there's a particular startup culture and methodology, which is, um, you know, uh, it, it's about, uh, well, the lean startup is one which comes to mind, which is all about, you know, creating your minimum viable product and then split testing it. So you, and, and you just move fast and you fail fast. Is there something to take from that in terms of filmmaking? Could we do more as filmmakers and producers using that kind of model or thinking? Well, I'm thinking this is wide open for scripts, like versioning, <laughs> versions of scripts. I don't know. Would we be right? Uh, I think, um, first of all, um, AI is being used in every industry, but we have to, there's a nuance in the sense, in the sense that um, our industry, the creative industry, film, television business, is a very slow adopter of uh, technology. Um, I think 
we, we're starting to see movement, traction, but still a very slow adopter. And I think it's due to the creative nature of, of, uh, of the business. That's one thing. And um, what, uh, well, an interesting lesson from, from startups, you know, with uh, startups, they fail very fast as well. And the reason why they fail um, very fast is because they put themselves out there, you know, and it's a crash or a burn. And I think, uh, in a sense, if you're um, a content creator, with content creator, I really mean, you know, writer, producer, you know, the whole shebang. Um, if you're a content creator, uh, I think you need to test it as early as possible. For us, it means um, if, if you have a version of the script, just get it out as soon as possible because people tend to keep working on scripts for years and years and, and, and they have... I don't know how many rewrites, but get your validation as soon as possible. Don't waste time. It already is a slow industry and, 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 and it's already a tough industry. Get, get your validation as soon as possible. But at, uh, at the same time with A-B testing, it can be so much, so much more to learn from. For example, when you're making a poster, right? Just make three, three posters and then ask your um, 500 friends on Facebook which one they prefer. I mean, it's so easy if you think of it, right? It's like classic A-B testing in products, startups, whatnot, and that can be... Um, also easily implemented in whatever you're doing um, in order to to see if you put the message across. I mean, that's not even kind of my sphere, but there were just like super basic things that I was like, why are we not doing this as filmmakers? As in, why why does it seem to be so um, sometimes more kind of egocentric? It's because how, this is how I want it or this is how I see it. Mm -hmm. Just like, no, communicate it, just test it. Um, at the same time for me, it was very inspiring like PayPal, like seeing, which is a completely different subject, but how seeing how PayPal completely disrupted banks. So and that was only like a few years ago. So I was reading these articles from 2017 that were saying, talking about the big PayPal disruption that was very similar in like real-time payments, make it very accessible for everyone. You just have like a, literally you just have a um, uh, an, an email and you put your credit card details and then you send money across the world in like hours and you shop. So it was e-commerce and everything else. And it just kind of just went very, very slowly first because, uh, or very silently, not slowly. And the banks didn't notice. But by the time they realized it was like this giant that was completely taking over. Yeah. It was like super easy, super nice interface and completely changing uh, entire industries like eBay, e-commerce, shopping, sending money across. Um, and and to, to me, somehow it, it just felt like we made this parallel as well. It's just, yes, people want things to happen fast. They want access to money fast. They want it simple. They don't want it complicated. How can how can we learn from their, um, you know, what afterwards <laughs> became um, one of the most kind of disruptive and beautiful examples um, of, of, of technology in the world? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, to answer your, to your question, actually, Alex, on minimum viable products and lean startup and really what you said, super common in startup as well when people say, oh, I'm starting a company, to people to be in stealth mode. So it's like, I'm not going to tell anyone my idea because like they might copy me or they might do it. And I think we even would have been guilty of that for the first few months until somebody literally was like, do you actually think someone's going to give up their life? 
you know, give up their job, give up their life and just go and copy what you're doing right now. Not very likely. And I think it's what you said about scripts too. It's like, and, and the advice we got was just go out and start talking to people. And unbelievably, some people we just talked to in the first year of the company, then something happened within the third year of the company because they were like kind of a friend of you at that mm-hmm. stage, which I'd say is the same with the script. You're going out getting advice. It's making it better all the time. And, you know, look, honestly, if somebody robs your script and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just copies it, you'll be able to prove that. But unlikely someone has the same passion for what you're doing as you do, because actually it takes a lot to make a film, takes a lot to build a company and you need to have a lot of resilience and energy. Mm-hmm. for a year sounds, year like making, year sounds like making a film yeah uh, it is uh, just like that well there you go <laughs> there's, a, there's a parallel between startups and, and filmmaking uh, we uh, we're, uh, we're racing towards the end here so I'd like to uh, to open it up to the audience to ask a question we have a, 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 we have a roving microphone and a lady here in the front uh, who would like to Yeah, first of all, thank you very much for this very interesting panel. It's really, um, yeah, very inspiring. I have a question, or actually it's two questions for Nadira. Um, I'd like to know, first of all, like you exist five years? Yes. So that means there are quite a few films that have been made upon your predictions. Do you have a quota you can communicate how precise the predictions were so far? That's the first question. And the second question is, when somebody comes up to you with a screenplay... um, be it a screenwriter, be it a production company, and uh, there is this outcome, there is this feedback. Do you actually communicate the details of character analysis? Because that's kind of a very, like, X structure is mathematical, we all know, but character analysis is more of a fluid kind of thing. I mean, you, you will have very likely some models that are very successful, that have been proven successful. Yeah. Do you communicate these details? Um, question one, <laughs> if I still remember, uh, the first question about uh, was about um, you know uh, the movies that we um, analyze and what the accuracy really is of, of predictions. Um, we were very vo- vocal in, in, uh, in, uh, and very transparent about our accuracy because um, it's actually we have one of the proof of concepts that we did um, is on our website. You can literally see how big the data set was and what the uh, accuracy was of our. AI versus the internal studio accuracy, and it's uh, 86 versus 36. That's the accuracy. We're the ones with the 86. <laughs> uh, you can actually see all the details on our website if, if you're interested in, in having a look. Uh, the second question is about uh, the, uh, you know, the character analysis. I think the best way to, to make you understand how, how the character analysis um, looks like is, again, by going to our website. We actually opened up our product. It's open. You can ex- explore the technology we have in our demo uh, probably 35 recent films as examples in which uh, we, we show the full analysis. And the uh, character analysis is more about who is the protagonist, li- uh, antagonist, the likability scores, how likable are they. Uh, and uh, we also do advanced sentiments, which is... Uh, pretty much mapping the eight primary emotions that humans have, but also the secondary emotions. So we show you on a scene level, uh, in scene 38, for example, you have uh, John and Jane and, and what 
emotions uh, do they have in this specific scene? There's also a summary that really takes you throughout the full script. You know, what is the summary of all the emotions, the eight primary emotions that this specific character um, has gone through in this uh, in this story? So this is more the, the character analysis that we cover uh, in, in, in the product. But again, uh, uh, you know, they say uh, one picture is, uh, is more than a thousand words. If you if you look at the demo, you'll you'll understand immediately what kind of character analysis that we uh, provide. <laughs> right. Another question? Well. Thank you. Um, first of all, super panel, really, really interesting. So, uh, and congratulations on having built startups. <laughs> <laughs> that's really hard. Um, one of the stats, uh, if I remember correctly, was an 87% of... Um, uh, scripts don't make it or scripts don't make it to treatment and then don't make it so that one thing is clarifying that and the other question is um, do you notice or um, I wouldn't say have you built in but do you notice any bias uh, in your system uh, do you tend to bias for return versus total and a sort of sub question if I can to that is if a script says you know superhero emerges from destroyed building does that automatically give it like a big penalty <laughs> okay, question one is about the uh, the numbers. Uh, the vein, yeah, the veiny and walls because we did a, uh, there are a lot of research papers. But if you um, uh, if you have Google Scholar or any other website that really lets you read the research papers, you'll you'll find that one. Um, the second question was. Bias. Yeah, that's a difficult question because, you know, you hear a lot about AI is so biased because it's dependent on, on you know, on the data that's being uh, inputted. And I always, which is, I always say AI will give you the, an unbiased assessment of a biased world. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the best answer I, I can give you. And the third one, I can't remember. Well, that's, again, it's about bias. And that's like, you know, does your script Analysis. Does your AI say, oh, this one's about superheroes? Well, that's going to get that score. Well, it's, it's a bit, the, you know, the follow-up of the second questions. Yeah. It's about ROI. So if you're going to make a superhero yeah. movie today, it's going to be like, you know, 300 million. Not necessarily, because we analyze a lot of superheroes for Studio X and, and the big, big ones. And... Um, we uh, obviously, when, it, when, you, when you see what the production cost was and the marketing budget, our, our analysis, our, our ROI, our box office was uh, very low for the U.S., I must say, not worldwide, because that's a different story, but purely U.S.-based. Uh, I think uh, the, it, the majority, our results weren't that great in the sense that we uh, said, hey, go ahead. Uh, they're so dependent on China and other territories, and the reason why it gets made is really because they take the total. Uh, purely on U.S., it doesn't do well. If, if you consider that those big movies generally have a budget of around 120, 150, that's the input of the studios, plus we find out that the marketing is actually twice the production budget, which is shocking to me, FYI. So that's, that one. oh my God. <laughs> It, I thought it was like 0 0.5, uh, you know, of the production budget twice. No, it's double often, oh, yeah. Like, what it's, cost to make it. Well, that's the production cost. And purely on US RRI, it's a, it's a red light. But on a worldwide level, yeah, it becomes green. Nadira, can I just, um, sorry, sorry to sort of uh, picking on you. <laughs> uh, but how much of a problem for your um, algorithms and, uh, and uh, machine learning is the fact that uh, it's a streaming age? 
where before it was box office and yeah you know you wouldn't you know you could sort of work out rough what roughly what it was going to do on other platforms and stuff but uh, but now, you know, if, 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 a, if a streaming platform's making it in-house, how do you, how do you, how, how do you know what's successful? Can you, can you analyze what they're doing and sort of... Well, one thing in? for us as a company, it would, it would be great if we had all the streaming data. Because yeah. all of a sudden you would, <laughs> so you people would, would like, you know, everyone in the room. <laughs> you would actually customize the product, and actually, instead of telling them what the box office uh, is going to be, you would give them different uh, metrics that correlates uh, with financial outputs. So that would be a great thing. But um, and, and I know what you're saying because a lot of streaming platforms are out there. Um, it's it's tough because we at this point we don't service any streaming platforms. So. I wouldn't even know what what the, the out would be, and still there has development this development work ahead because we don't have the data. But I think your question is more about: Do you think that box office will uh, decline because more people are watching Just films more on that uh, box streaming? office is less and less. <laughs> it's less and less the the be all and end all. You know, you can have a a film made by let's you know let's say Netflix where it never 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 has any box office or it, or it, we looked at yep. the Irishman didn't we Catherine when yeah. it went, you know we saw Look because they don't uh, it's taking money in the, in the theaters but we don't know how much money mm -hmm. so we actually would do you want to oh yeah so say? we were able to look <laughs> at the the UK distribution of a film like the Irishman and compare it to a like tenfold film that was distributed and be able to see the type, you know, the type of cinemas that were taking it, the spread, the geographic spread and the frequency of, of screenings that would happen versus imagine a like big franchise uh, that would go wall to wall in a cinema. So, um, so we, we keep, we, we bring in that screening data so we can, yeah. so you can see, you can't see how much money it's taking to see how many screenings it's yeah. got and kind of, but that is, is those sort of transparency issues, which I guess you're, no. Is that is that an issue for you as well? You know, Maria, in terms of, or, or, or is it just about you know, it's a, a fee, a nice chunky fee from a streaming platform which goes in the system, and you don't doesn't matter what happens within there. So I definitely think that generally legacy systems. Um, will no longer exist in the shape and form they have existed in the past, and we are facing a fragmented landscape. And the fragmented landscape also, um, at the same time, we like to see the opportunities in it, right? Because you have all sorts of hybrids. Everyone co-finances with everyone and, uh, and then distributes with everyone. And yes, there are still uh, vertically integrated, as they're named, uh, productions. But um, at the same time, I... I I, I believe, and from what we are seeing, that will be uh, less and less of those. And uh, that's great because there, there won't be monopolies anymore. And there will be hybrids and challengers. And challengers will um, also uh, poke for more, more transparency because everyone is fighting for the best content and the best talent. And if out of five, there will be two that are starting to give away the data that puts a lot of pressure on everyone else to do so. So uh, I think that although it's anxiety triggering, a fragmented landscape 
is helping the industry. It's creating competition. It's creating healthy hybrids of, of co-financing, co-producing, and 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 cross-platform uh, distribution. And um, I think it, it's it's harder to navigate, but it's exciting. What would you say? What would be your advice to an emerging storyteller, someone who wants to create work, and uh, and is starting out? Maybe, maybe it's a film. Maybe it's for another screen. Um, in this fragmented landscape, where should they start? I'm not going to look at anyone in particular. We all have to answer this very quickly, right? Like, it can't, it can't <laughs> just be one. Okay, fine. Go. Oh, I'll go first, because I know you always ask that question at the end of your podcast, because I always listen to your podcast, Alex. Um, what's the advice? Don't be in stealth mode. If you're a storyteller or a filmmaker with a script or whatever, don't be in stealth mode. Go out and start talking to people and getting their input immediately. Embrace technology. It's not nothing to be feared. <laughs> you have to embrace it if you want to move forward. And that is the most sane advice I can give you. I would say if people say, no, this will never happen, or no, you can't do this, just walk away and just knock at a different door. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, sometimes you learn it the hard way, but... Just don't believe them. <laughs> Fantastic. Great, great, great way to end it. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much to Maria, Nadira, and Catherine. I think it's been uh, it's an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of you. Thank you, Alex. So that was my conversation with Nadira Azamai. Maria Tanjala and Catherine Downs, recorded live at the Filmtech Meetup, which was held during the 2020 Berlin Film Festival. If you want to find out more about any of the guests on today's show, listen to other episodes, or get in touch, you can do all of this at the new home of Film Disruptors, which is futureoffilm.live. So that's it for this episode. I'd just like to say thank you again for listening and look forward to seeing you again soon. Hi, it's Alex here. I'm convinced that there are now incredible opportunities for producers looking to bring stories to the screen. There are now more formats, platforms, distribution and financing strategies than ever before. That's why I am launching the Future of Film Entrepreneurial Storyteller Program. It's a 12-month virtual program designed for producers looking to build future-proofed businesses and careers. Discover how the Future of Film Entrepreneurial Storyteller Program can take your projects and career to the next level and register your interest today at futureoffilm.live slash ESP. That's futureoffilm.live slash ESP. Mm-hmm.